The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this episode of the DI Guys podcast. As always, I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Mike Coggle. Mike, what's shaking today? Chris, how are you this morning? I'm living the dream, Mike. I'll tell you what's shaking. College football starting. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter what the weather is because it rained all day on Saturday, and you know what I did. You saw, <laughs> you saw prime time. I watched, well, my wife is a CU grad, as you all know, I'm a hawk, and then I'm a bandwagon Florida skater at the moment, so for me and DraftKings, I did okay. And then, uh, as we record this last night, the Dukies upset Clemson. Yeah, so it's already going to be a interesting season. I wish they didn't have rankings at the beginning of the season, but you know what? We're not ESPN pundits, and that's not what we're here for today. But everything here in Northwest Florida is good, my friend. What about that great state of Kentucky? What's happening? Tell you what, I know you don't have this problem. We have this problem. We need rain. It's been dry for a long time. Uh, actually, we will talk weather for one thing. I, we have until this past Friday. We, you know, we missed 100% of the hurricane because those things just have a leading edge and we were the west edge was 80 miles away. So we didn't even have winter rain, but we finally got a little bit, but same as you. Um, and most of the southeast has been pretty dry for five weeks. So a little bit of rain was welcome over the weekend. But other than that, things are good. And what I want to talk about today is the numbers that came out of the Q2 Lemra DI survey. And there's some things that jumped out at me, and I'd like to kind of uh, tell you what jumped out at me and then have you comment on them, if you would. Oh, gladly, Chris. You know I'm extremely analytical. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll do the best I can for comment, but uh, it's going to be probably Mike Cogdell tongue-in-cheek, and um, we'll, we'll just see where it goes from there. But, yeah, let's do that because I always find the numbers, if nothing else, somewhat fascinating. So the first thing that jumped out at me, Mike, is that Unum uh, year to date from for 23 from 22 is up 31 percent. And I think there are a lot of carriers out there aspire to be Unum, but their premiums at 31 percent. Chris, would you just take one second? And, and we know everybody that listens to and if you don't explain real quickly how Unum's business, at least as you and I understand it, works relative to the other major carriers that, that are on the list. Yeah, the, the big difference with Unum is is they're you know multi-life with a vast majority of it being guaranteed issue. From the time that you and I worked for Provident way back in the day, where the overwhelming majority of business was individually underwritten business, which is very much like the rest of the industry is today. I mean, Unum went away from that. They took advantage of that large group LTD block of business that they had and started doing combination plans. And they have consistently, you know, led the industry for gosh darn Mike, I don't know. 20 plus years. And again, that's a combination of three companies, Union, Provident, Paul Revere. But nonetheless, uh, to make a uh, short story long is, you know, they're doing uh, primarily multi-life with combination plans with the group LTD. So is that the way to the future? You know, Mike, I think there's some carriers out there that, as I said earlier, aspire to be Unum, but I think they're finding it harder than they think. And, and one of the reasons why 
is because some of the carriers don't have as much group LTD as Unum does. And there are a couple of carriers that do that could arguably go this direction. But again, it's a different type of producer. It's not the type of producer uh, that you and I grew up in. It, it's certainly uh, the vast majority of it is employee benefit producers and the people that are attached to them and some, some uh, you know, guaranteed standard issue specialists. And I think that the way that uh, carriers look at this, we see them moving more and more that direction, but can they be totally that way, the way Unum is? I tend to doubt it. Well, Chris, for me, the question becomes, you know, if, if you want to be one of the other carriers, and, we, and everybody, pretty much our list today, I don't think Northwestern Mutual does a ton of guarantee issues, do you? I mean, I don't know. No, nope. um, no. Nope. I could look and see real quick. No, 240, you know, a handful of cases, couple, under 300 grand. So they're, they're not there. But if you take uh, Berkshire Guardian, Principal Mass, Standard and Emeritus, that's in the guarantee issue business pretty much only as we know. So those are, those are the guarantee issue carriers that are left, correct? I mean, they're doing guarantee issues. Correct. And they run individual DI. One of the things, and my math may be a little off, one of the things is those carriers are still doing, and if you throw Northwestern Mutual, which you have to into the mix, if you take all business, um, guarantee issue, and you have to take Unum out because that's all they do. So you take the other carriers, just what you end up with is, you know, you're, you're, I don't know, 20%, maybe a little less, give or take guarantee issue. And one of the things that I'm finding in talking to first um, home office people and brokers in the field is what seems to be happening a little bit in guarantee issue. And I can't speak to Unum because I really don't have a lot of relationships there and what they've done. Um, up 31 is up 31. It's, it's credible. You know, that's a, you know, if you're down, if you, let's use an analogy. If you're going down to TCU and you're a three touchdown, you know, spread and you win, that's a huge number. So at the end of the day, you know, way to go buff. It's, it's a huge, it's a huge number. That being said, what I'm hearing back to the original comment I was just about to make is it seems that people are trading cases. Remember how we've talked about group forever is, you know, how many new group pieces of business go on in a year? How many groups are actually, you know, start from scratch, become three, five, 15, 20 as a, as a company grows or, or, or something of that nature? How many cases I'm, I'm beginning to wonder are being traded because I was just, um, talking to some home office people and said, yeah, we just took three cases from X carrier and one from Y and we got them because our rates are better. That's what I find. And, and I want your comment. That's what I find interesting about guarantee issues the most is, is it now just a rate driven and a benefit amount program? And that's the direction that we want to go. And I mean, we, I mean, the industry in general, I'm talking from probably Chris, a home office perspective and not a person in the field that wants to go sell you know, income protection. Well, Mike, I, I, the in, the uh, the smart people, the actuaries, if you will, and the consulting companies that work with insurance companies, you know, will tell you that the GSI business is more profitable because you take away the moral risk, right? So it's not a doctor buying twenty thousand dollars a month who gets tired of it and then for some reason magically becomes disabled. You have tens, hundreds, sometimes thousands of employees on a GSI plan over and above a group LTD plan. A lot of them don't even know they have it, number one. And then number two, since they're not paying the premium, it's they're they're not as aware of, you know, the coverage. So they just don't go out and claim as much. So it's 
profitable for the carriers. And so, you know, why would a carrier not want to go that direction if they could sell, sell more, pay less? And typically on the GSI cases, the GSI amounts are not, you know, ridiculous. You have a lot of those one, two, three, four, five thousand dollars as opposed to the twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars a month on an individual person, i.e. a doctor. So I mean there's lots of reasons why a carrier would go that direction. Let, let me play devil's advocate for a second. I, I, I know of a case where carrier had five grand across the board guarantee issue. They wanted to up the guarantee issue. Uh, the broker did, and so did the clients. They didn't. Another carrier came in and said, well, we'll participate with another 10. And then they went back and forth and back and forth. And then the carrier that had the original five says, well, we're not interested in that. And what happened was is the entire 5,000, which was about I'm guessing around $300,000 in premium for that particular carrier was lost to the other carrier because they said cancel everything and we'll just take it off. And it's a relatively large number. I think it's twenty or 25000 That will be our max. So that carrier that lost three hundred, maybe one, <laughs> maybe one, because let's say it's a five-year-old case and there's not a claim. Well, you know, the law of large, law of large numbers, excuse me, says that at some point there will be. So if somebody takes that over lock, stock, and barrel, they could have a $20,000 a month claim looming tomorrow. Fair? Yes, sir. I mean, cancer doesn't, you know, cancer isn't discriminatory on anything, as we know, or neither are any other illnesses in the world. 10,000 times I've said you have the crystal ball. But if you really want to be a health guy or something and say, well, the chances are somebody's got a problem after five years. You may not just be aware of it until this is uh, now September already. I don't know where the summer went, but this is September. You may not be aware of it until January and have collected all of two months worth of premiums for a $25,000 case that could go on for, I don't know, six months to 20 years. I, I hope, you know, I, I think actuaries know a heck of a lot more about about actuarial science than I because I absolutely know nothing. But I just find it interesting, and I still find it interesting to this day that we built a product, Chris, that was to be underwritten. And, and today, underwriting is not um, the be-all, the end-all, or the end of the world is what I mean. You know, most people do simplified and get the stuff out there. And, and there's a point to this. They, they, they get it out relatively quick. You know, they're not nitpicking. You know, there are some people that still talk about the way it was when the industry went a little bit sideways, and you and I were fairly young then. And it did, and then they had to realign and had to adjust and, and make make changes to the way they underwrote. And then we come all the way back to, I think the underwriting for today, and tell me what you think, for an individual is more than fair. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this as a result of COVID, when you saw how aggressive carriers became with exams, and, you know, they're, they're doing the same with financial. So, you know, people have often talked about, how difficult DI underwriting is. I tell you what, I mean, it was a hell of a lot more difficult when you and I got started in this industry in, in relation today. But look, at the end of the day, I don't think the industry has to apologize to try to get some medical information on somebody who might have a pre-existing condition, which could lead to a disability. So yeah, APSs can be a, a pain, but the idea of exams and financial documentation and then with the advent of uh, e-apps and home office interviews becoming so much uh, more substantial and in getting information, again, individually underwritten coverage is not meant to be guarantee issue. And there's a reason why they underwrite it. So uh, again, another uh, short answer, I made it very long, 
is that it's it's better than it's ever been, I guess I would say. So, Chris, I have one more question for you. If Guarantee Issue works the way it does, which there's no questions asked, correct? Basically, it's a network question. Last six months, missed 10 days or six days or something in that nature. Correct. correct. So then isn't there a benefit amount that we could write everybody in America based on that and continue to play the law of large numbers and just hunt underwriting altogether? Uh, you're asking me an actuarial question, Mike. I'm just throwing Mike. it out there. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. We're getting ready to go to IDIS. I don't know if a lot of people listen to it, but I'm throwing it out there. What's wrong with a three or a five thousand dollar monthly benefit on every single person that walks, talks, and breathes? Why outclass them? Why do anything? Come up with a number and do it. If guarantee issue is that profitable, then you would think that that small a benefit amount with a huge amount of people buying it, how could you lose? Well, Mike, how about we ask Dan Squire that when we see him in uh, Portland? <laughs> Today, I just throw it out there. It's been a while since we've talked about this stuff. And it's just, you know, again, I'm extremely interested in this industry as, as you are and, and will always continue to have a passion for something that, you know, most people really are not overly interested in. But it's, it's you know, it's been my career. And I just sometimes wonder, I mean, how much has changed, Chris, since I started in 87 and I think you started in 84, 85, correct? 84. So how much different is the business now than it was then? Other than there's a guarantee issue piece, which was pretty few and far between, as you and I know, when we started in like the late 80s and early 90s. It wasn't really being given away. And then somewhere we started to do voluntary, interesting stuff as far as guarantee issue went. Yeah, I mean, Mike, and I know this is, we've beaten this drum before. The biggest difference today than when we, you and I started was distribution. Distribution has taken a 180 from back in the day where you and I could walk into dozens and dozens of agencies that had people who were doing life insurance. And that's before financial planning, quote unquote, became the rage. So to me, that's been the biggest difference. And then as a result of these uh, risk management people going away and, and, and the planning people coming into play, they haven't been taught, you know, the, the good, bad, and the ugly of risk, risk protection. You know, what goes into underwriting a life insurance policy or a disability insurance policy. So they become frustrated because they weren't trained on it. They didn't grow up in it. And so for them, it's just, ah, oh, the heck with it. I'm not going to do it. Well, you know, with that being said, we are in the business of risk protection. And, and, and you know, and, and again, we, we just don't know where, what, ever, ever what's going to happen. Is it take this all the way down first? I guarantee you are. I was, as millions of other people, probably a little closer to our age. We're huge Jimmy Buffett fans, so good wishes. Thank you for all you did, Jimmy Buffett, for for letting me enjoy your happiness and your and and your sound and what you did. And not only were you huge in philanthropy, but just a phenomenal businessman that followed his dream and it happened, Chris. <laughs> if you really have read the stories over the last few days. Interesting that it happened by accident, but I will tell you, living in Key West all those years, six years ago, I'm pretty sure Jimmy Buffett was 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 not too concerned about getting skin cancer turning into lymphoma and going forward. So, you know, life happens, and everybody needs to understand that. We really pay attention when a super celebrity, superstar, great human has something happen to them, and my heart goes out to his family, his fans, including myself, his loved ones. But again, you, you know what? Charity starts at home. You've got to take care of yourself because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, Mike, it's it, it's something that is very interesting. And I, I think of, you know, when some I see something like this, 
And I think back to uh, Steve Jobs, who was in his, I think, mid-50s when he passed. And so having all the money in the world doesn't guarantee good health. And what's your favorite line about going to the doctor, Mike? You know, Chris, I think we should probably end it there today. Is your next visit to your doctor for any reason could be the last time you're insurable for the rest of your life. When you're born, you don't get a vaccine against every disability for the rest of your life. And so, you know, the, the old expression, bad things happen to good people. And, you know, and I know we kind of started with uh, LIMRA and we started with guarantee issue, but I, the, the importance of income protection, which is why you and I have been in this industry so long, Mike, and why we do this podcast is just to get people to think about the need for it. And Mike, here's where we are going to end. What is the, the risk protection question? you advise every agent and advisor to ask their prospects or client? Just make it easy, Chris, and here it is. Because you know what? It's, I had a meeting with a guy yesterday morning. He's 24 years old. He goes, well, how do I start the conversation? So I will give it to you. Hey, I just like to wonder. The guy's like, what's your business? And I said, this guy's just starting out, Chris, so he's got to have something to say. And he goes, you know, right now I'm working with a consultant, and I'm in the risk risk management business, risk protection. And he goes, well, what does that mean? He, and he goes, you know what? To make it easy, I just want to make sure that everybody's risk protection package is up to date. Is your risk protection package current and up to date? And And it's almost like trust and wills, Chris. How many people leave this earth without a will, a living will, a trust, or anything um, that takes care of their family when they're suddenly no longer here? And the numbers are staggering how many people do not, regardless of the wealth level. And, and, you know, Mike, what the reason I like that question so much, because what it does, it fosters a conversation about the importance of risk products, not about the features and benefits of a non-CAN, you know, ONOC policy or a term versus a variable universal. It's just gets a, a conversation going that will then what the advisor or agent can do is after gathering information from the conversation is to come back with recommendations because they're, they know so much more about their prospect or their client. And I, I really believe that's a, a great question. So Mike, Hey, look, I know we, we went a little bit long here, but I, I really appreciate just kind of the, the dialogue regarding GSI. I love, you know, just getting back to uh, the basics. And I look forward to our next uh, episode. Chris, last but not least, we are not opposed to GSI or fully underwritten. If you can sell a policy, how you do it does not matter to Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdell. Just try to get out there and do it. You got it, Mike. You have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you, my friend. Be well. Enjoy the week.